Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergera.com. Oh man, can we also thank our incredible Takeover worship team. My Lord, what a, what a stellar time. I mean, it takes, uh, it takes some real anointing of heaven to be able to minister to God like that in a basically empty room. Amen? Amen. Now, during COVID and the lockdowns and all that, we didn't really go with that, so I never got good at like talking to a camera. Um, so I'm not going to get good tonight. So welcome. Uh, as you're tuning in online, sure do love you. If I'm not looking at you, it's not because I don't love you and I don't miss you. It's because I'm just uh, not well trained. So anyways, tonight uh, we just do, we do say we love you. We're so grateful that you're a part of our church. We want to say happy Christmas to you and to your loved ones. And we wish more than anything that Michigan, right church, did not decide to throw up on itself, but it did. And that is, that is what's happening. We held off as long as we could. It's the takeover way. We, we pushed the limits here, and uh, we sure did. But I just want to say from the bottom of mine and Adrian's heart, um, thank you to all of our team who's in the room to make this happen. The few of us that there are, we're so grateful for you, for our team at large that are home cheering us on, for our entire church that's tuned in tonight. Thank you for coming around the mighty name of Jesus. Um, you know, tonight I, oh, it's so funny. It's so funny. I really, I had so much anticipation going into this evening, in all honesty, all, all December long, ready for Christmas, ready to get it, ready to see what the Lord was going to do and, and whom we could fill the room with and the friends and the families and the lost that would come home and the things and the things and the things. And it's amazing how just a, blizzard out of nowhere can show you where your hope is wrongfully placed <laughs> all of a sudden it's like wait is is my hope in Christ alone the cornerstone is is Christmas service for Matt McClure the pastor here at takeover is it about God or, or is it about people is it about appeasing them is it about filling the room is it about Instagram is it about having something for as we continue to grow and build that we can keep for posterity's sake and say look at what we do here come to this church or is it about Jesus and I just want to say to all of us tonight it's about Jesus it's always been about Jesus. It's going to stay about Jesus. It's never going to move from Jesus. Takeover Church doesn't exist to see Instagram take over people's lives. Takeover Church doesn't exist for Matt McClure to take over people's lives. Takeover Church doesn't even exist for the institutional religion of Christianity to take over people's lives. But above and beyond all of it, we exist to see Jesus take over people's lives. Amen. <sighs> I love Christmas. I do, and I'm ready to get it. Who's ready for the Word of God? Fantastic. Well, if you're taking notes, the title of my message tonight, go with me. Go with me. Christ with me. Christ with me. The reason I say go with me is because that might sound like a pretty normal Christmas title. But I believe tonight we are going to dig deep into those words. We're going to dig deep into what that means. We're going to look at some obscure portion of Scripture. And that we're, we're going to see what the Lord will do. Sound good? All right. Christ with me. Christ with me. Coming out of the book of Luke. Luke 2, 8 through 21. It'll be up on the Sky Bible. And can I just give it up for my man Kenny in the booth? Come on. He is not on paid staff here. He is just someone who loves the Lord, loves the church, loves you take over, and was like, hey, I am down. I am down to get on these roads and come run Sky Bible and come make a way. And uh, so I just am so grateful for him and everyone who's here uh, volunteering their time, gifts, and talents to be a part of this moment. So just bottom of my heart, thank you. Luke 2. 8 through 21. Believe it or not, when Adrian and I were starting Takeover Church, we had rooms less full than this one. And uh, look what God's done in five years. <laughs> Praise Him. Praise Him. Thank you, King Jesus. Luke 2, 8 through 21. Here we go. 
And in the same region, there were these shepherds. And the shepherds, they were out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with a great fear. The angel said to them, fear not, for behold. Somebody said, behold. Behold, I bring you good news. What kind of news? Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased and when the angels went away from them into the heavens the shepherds said to one another let us go over to bethlehem and see this thing let us go and see this thing that has happened which the lord has made known to us and they went with haste and they found mary they found joseph and they found sweet baby jesus lying in a manger and when they saw it, they made known the sayings that they had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered. They wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary, Mary, she treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. And as it had been told to them, and at the end of eight days... When he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. The name given by the angels before he was conceived in the womb. So we're going to pray and we're going to see what the Lord will do with that. So Father God, I thank you for Christmas. God, is it what we planned? Absolutely not. God, is it what we hoped for? Absolutely not. But God, in the midst of our planning and in the midst of our hoping, lies a God who sits on a throne reigning above it all, who is not caught off guard by a blizzard, who is not caught off guard by this moment. And right now, God, you are moving. You are moving in every living room. You are moving in every home. You are moving in every family. You are moving in every roommate situation. You are moving in every single person's home. Right now, Lord, you are still moving and active and sharper than any double-edged sword, able to pierce between bone and marrow and continue to shape us into your image and likeness even now, God. Even now. So Lord, I ask. I ask for this Christmas, the same thing I said last Sunday, Lord, that this Christmas, God, we would still give you such a gift, Lord. But the gift wouldn't be great preaching, Lord. It would be great hearing, Lord. It would be great preachers, Lord. It would be great hearers, Lord. Lord, we want to have great faith today. Lord, we aim to give you a bride that is full of it. And by it, I mean great faith. That your bride, Lord, would be such a great hearer. That faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Lord, your bride would be of the greatest faith. Lord, that here in this West Michigan, Midwest region, Lord, you would have a bride, you would have a remnant, you would have a church, God, that is finding and fastening herself ready for her bridegroom. So we say, come, Lord Jesus, come. We thank you, God, for everything that you're doing. We thank you, God, that you, you truly are moving in this house at this time in such a special way, God, that it cannot be fabricated by man. It cannot be manipulated in emotions. But, God, it is truly you moving amongst your people. So, Lord, I ask tonight for a greater revelation of Christ with me. Christ with me. Christ with me, God. Today, we want to leave this church. We want to leave this live stream. We want to leave Christmas 2022. Heck, we want to leave 2022, God. 
with a greater revelation that Christ is with us. So Holy Spirit, come and do what you do. Mess us up from the floor up. In Jesus' mighty name of faith, filled church and living room and everything else in between said. Amen. Amen. Come on. Oh, Christ with me. Christ with me. You know, it's funny because basically everyone here is like on staff and a few others, but so they know, and I rant about it all the time, and it's going to make it really awkward. And I'm trying to, like, I keep wanting to look at the camera, but I'm like, you're not a person. Like, you're a, you're a robot. Uh, so I love you guys at home. You're not a robot. The camera's a robot. Anyways, what's up, guys? How are we doing? Everyone's saying, don't fall into the flames. Like, we want to be a people on fire, but not that on fire. Uh, praise God. But it's interesting, right? Like, it's interesting that today we would be supposed to be in church, supposed to be having this evening service, supposed to be having this Christmas service. And, and the wild thing is that for many of our brothers and sisters all over the world, for the last two years, churches have been shut down. People's doors have been locked. Christians have been prisoned and persecuted and locked away for very attempt to gather around the name of Jesus, to lift up praises, that there's, there's literally still churches in Japan that are not allowed to sing, are not allowed to say amen, are not allowed to lift up their own voices in the middle of service like the people on the platform can sing, the people on the platform can preach, but the people in the pews and in the chairs and in the congregation, they're actually not allowed to lift up their voices. And you see, when, I, when I'm talking about this, I'm not just talking about the COVID lockdowns and regulations. I'm talking about a whole lot of governmental overreach. I'm talking about cultures that are still very much against Jesus and not in favor of Christianity. And I look at just, not just the hills in Iran. I don't look just at the tunnels in China, but I'm looking at Australia and I'm looking at India and I'm looking at Britain and I'm looking at America and I'm looking at Canada. And for the last two years, so many churches have found themselves just like this with a camera and a few staff and this whole thing. And, you know, when we were coming out of lockdown, when we were coming out of that season, when all those things were going on, I, I hope and I prayed. I was going, man, we didn't need the government's permission to gather as church. We don't need anyone's permission to gather as the church. But I was praying on the other side of it that there would be Christians and there would be pastors and there would be these people who were marked by Jesus, who were coming out of that season going, there is no way, there is no way this side of heaven that you can keep me from being with Lord Jesus. That this side of heaven, there is nothing that can keep me from being in that room, from being in his presence, from singing those songs, from shouting amen, from going after all that God has for me. And the reason I bring this up on Christmas, you're probably going, this is a weird Christmas message. Matt just got political off the jump. Is because for man, I, for me as Takeover Church, for us here, we do not, we do not, we do not. It is with everything in us, church. I cannot stomach and I cannot fathom and I cannot comprehend raising up a bride in the Midwest region that is content with only being found with Jesus when they arrive in heaven and they have no other option but to be found with Jesus. I can't fathom it. I can't fathom it. And the reason I bring that up is because, man, it is my hope and it is my cause in the earth, not just because on Christmas we celebrate Jesus' birthday, but because it is my goal to give God such a gift such a gift, a bride that's full of faith, a bride that's so good at hearing that the bride of Midwest, Midwest Michigan here would be such a great hearer that her hearing would exceed the great preaching and that she would be full of faith because she loves the word of God and she values, she treasures being in the presence of her bridegroom, Lord Jesus. And see, the reason I bring this up on Christmas, because Christmas, Christmas is more than just the candles. 
It's more than just the lights. It's more than just the Christmas trees. It's more than just the Hallmark Channel, although I'm a closet Hallmark, Hallmark Channel movie lover. Not going to lie. Gets me. I got emotional problems. Pray for me. And it's more than Santa Claus. And I don't even have beef with Santa Claus. As a Christian pastor, I don't have beef with Santa Claus because Santa Claus was named after St. Nick. And I love St. Nick. I've been compared to St. Nick. What is St. Nick famous for? Punching heretics in the face. I love him. I think it's fantastic. I'm like, let's go. More St. Nicks. We need them. Come on. Punching heretics in the face all day long. Take over church. Come hang out. And I love it. But the reason that I bring this up on Christmas is because Christmas's literal definition, the reason for the season, the reason we named it Christmas was because it means Christ for the masses. Christ for the masses. Christ for the masses. You see what happened, it was some thousand years ago we got real upset we got real upset with all these pagans having all these holidays and all these festivals and we were like nah enough with that Jesus didn't come to take part as another pagan god in pagan festivals confiding and conveying and vying for the attention of other pagans no Jesus came to be the one true God to replace all the pagan gods to replace all the pagan festivals and become Lord of all. Jesus isn't one God in the midst of many pagan gods and many pagan festivities. No, he is Jesus and he is God alone. Amen. And so when Jesus, he comes to the church, we were going, no, 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 sorry. You, you actually don't get to have this season. You don't get to have this season. Pagan festivities, pagan rituals, you don't get to take this over. Jesus takes us over. Devil doesn't get a day. Jesus gets a day. And so what we did in this time of the year, because everyone wants to be a TikTok preacher nowadays, and talk about, don't you know that Christmas is a pagan holiday? I'm like, yeah, you single and it shows. Because you ain't got a wife to correct you, fam. But, just saying, I do, I do have a wife. She corrects me daily. Multiple times. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because we as the church, we looked at this and we went, no, 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 no. There's not a single area that Jesus did not come to redeem. There's not a single holiday. There's not a single place. There's not a single moment in time that Jesus just sits back on his throne and goes, you know what? The devil can have that day. The devil gets no days. The devil gets no festivities. The devil gets no birthday party. Even though Jesus wasn't born in the winter, we know that in the scripture we just read, it proves that we understand that. But we're not gonna sit idly by and let pagans celebrate and let the world go to hell and not let Jesus have a voice in the conversation. We did the same thing with the festivals of Sarum. We looked at the Celts and we said, Celts, we love you, God is for you, but you don't get this day. This day is All Hallows' Eve. This day is Halloween. This day is for Hallow Be Thy Name. And what Christians did, and I made a whole video about it, was we looked at this time of harvest and we said, you don't get this day. This day belongs to Jesus. Hallow be his name on this day. And it was the Catholic Church that actually invented Halloween. But we've allowed, again, Hollywood, the West, pop culture, the internet, all of these things to disciple people and disciple the church and try to take things back from Christ that the church has been putting Christ in for some thousand years. And then we looked at Easter and Easter was all about this fertility goddess, this pagan fertility goddess. And the church, we looked at Easter and we said, I'm sorry, pagan people. Your pagan fertility goddess doesn't get a day that's all dedicated and celebrating fertility. No, instead of celebrating your fertility, we're gonna celebrate God's ability and Jesus' resurrection. And by way of Jesus' resurrection, our resurrection. That's what the church does. And the reason I'm bringing this all up on Christmas, and I know it pains people. It pains the people of our church that Pastor Matt does not like to read the Christmas story on Christmas. We'll get to it, I promise you. But the reason I bring this up, because this is the Christmas story. 
This is the Christmas story. Between Genesis and Revelation, there is not a single point in human history from beginning of it to the end of it where Jesus' main goal has not been Christ with me. Now, I'm going to be Christ in that festival. I'm going to be Lord over this holiday. I'm going to be in here. I'm going to be in here. I'm going to be in here. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with them. I am the what? Way, the truth, and the life. Christ with me. And I love, I love, I love, I love the word Emmanuel. Does anybody else love the word Emmanuel? Emmanuel, because Emmanuel literally means God with us. And friends, as we're celebrating Christmas, Christ for the masses, I came to point out to us today, how are we ever going to get Christ to the masses, God with us, if we're not found being a people that God is first within? Christ for the masses, Christ for me, Christ with me, and Christ in me daily. Christ in me daily. You see, I long to develop and grow a bride that we don't just hear Emmanuel, God with us once a year and it falls on deaf ears and inactive hands. But no, we hear Emmanuel at Christmas time, God with us, and we respond, if you're saying you're God with us, then we are crying out, we're a bride that's with you. If you're God with us, Jesus, then we are crying out. Our only logical response is to live our lives in such a way that says we are the bride with you. Because there are a whole lot of churches and there are a whole lot of Christians and a whole lot of people that would claim Emmanuel for their own, but while God may be with them in principle, with them in speech, many of us, we are not found being the bride with Christ in our conduct, in our discipline, in our thinking, in our habits, in our motives, in our desires, in our daily lives. You see, Christ for the masses, Christmas, that is the Christmas story. That is the Christmas story that God would be with his people. But the assignment of the church to bring Christ to the masses, how could it ever be fulfilled if, if Christ isn't actually found in the one, in the church, in the Christians? Christ for the masses, yeah, 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 but is Christ found in you? You see, Jesus, he's the self-proclaimed, the way, the truth, and the life. And for the Christian, that should mean absolutely everything. Bless you, Pastor Evan. Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life should be everything to us. Because right now, we can look in a world that is just thrown into chaos, that is broken, that is hurt, that is full of shame, full of brokenness that just goes beyond speech, things that we can't even begin to comprehend. Paul said it. He called it back in the day. It was prophetic. Men will exchange, women will exchange natural order for unnatural desires and they will come up with all sorts of sins that are just brand new. And some of us were at home going, wow, this is a lot for a Christmas message. I know, but it was my hope that I would have more ears available to hear the good news of Christ on this day. And so while it might be a lot for a Christmas message, it is most certainly the gospel. And if I have more ears and more eyes today than I do most times out of the year, then I've got to take my chance to tell you about what Jesus can do in your life. And he's the way, the truth, and the life. And right now we can look at the world and guess what? They have no way. 
they have no way. We can look outside our windows and we can see a world in chaos that has no way, which is why they try every way. Some of his way, some of her way, some of this way, some of that way. I'm going to try this and dabble in that and go here. And one season I'm a Buddhist, the other season I'm an Islam, another season I'm just a complete atheist, and the next week I'm a Christian, and then Christianity's not working out for me because fruit's got to grow, and Jesus this and that. And all of a sudden they're right back to where they started. We're in a world that has no way. I'm the way, the truth. And then we, we can pair that up with the fact that they have no direction. They have no compass. We look and we just see an aimless world going wherever their feelings lead them, where their broken desires lead them, whether they're, wherever their addictions take them, whatever their proclivity is at that time and season in their lives, and they are just following broken desires and fatal instincts, and they are directionless and running on pure existing. So I'm the, I'm the way, and I'm the truth, and I'm the, I'm the life. You see, the world doesn't have life because that which is dead is incapable of producing life. See, it needs a resurrection. It needs a resuscitation of the breath of God, that very breath that spoke humanity into living. It needs a fresh breath of God to fall on them. So if they've got no direction and they've got no way to go and they've got no truth to live by and they have no life to produce anything then what is Christmas to the lost? You see we we live in a time and a place where Christmas is the single most important message on this planet because Jesus' goal has been and will always be Christ for the masses. Not just for some, not just for a few, not just for those who will give the most or show up the most or can offer the church the most, but no, he wants every single solitary soul that he thought of in heaven and birth on earth to bow a knee to his name and forsake every other God, every other way, every other my truth, their truth, false truth, every other dead way of attempting to live and exist. Because right now we have people that live for money and distraction and what Jesus came to do in a manger was offer you a way to live for majesty and resurrection. So that leads me to this beautiful, wild portion of scripture. And maybe it was a bit misleading earlier when I said it was an obscure portion of scripture. But it is. It is because where I'm going to dial in is a really weird part of it. <laughs> but we'll get there in just a second. Because for me, what's, what's fascinating about the Christmas story is yes, the virgin birth was absolutely needed. Mary was absolutely needed. This wild time between her and Joseph and the angel visiting and saying, you will have a Jesus, you will have a son and you shall name him Jesus and he will be Christ the Lord, the Savior, the Messiah, the one who is, was, and will forever be. That moment blows my mind. I love that moment. But what always fascinates me after a word what always fascinates me after fruition, whatever ha whatever, what always fascinates me after a promise is fulfilled is what people do with it afterwards, right? Because it's, it's one thing to get a word. How do you steward a word? It's one thing to receive the promise. How do you handle the promise? That's what's fascinating to me. Not that God isn't interested in giving good gifts because obviously he quite clearly is. He loves to do it. I'm more interested in what the faithfulness on the other side of his faithfulness looks like. I'm more interested in, okay, he gave you the platform. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to keep your character? How are you going to keep your marriage? How are you going to remain who you're called to be? 
Oh, you got the job. How are you going to steward the job for his glory? Oh, you got the girlfriend. How are you going to steward your purity for his glory? Oh, you got the husband. How are you going to steward your marriage for his glory? Like this is what is most fascinating to me is not that we have God who's a good gift giver, that every good gift comes from above, but I am interested. How does the bride steward those good gifts? And so what I love about the scripture is here's the shepherds. And as a shepherd... I love this. I love this part because these angels appear to the shepherd. Baby, Jesus has already been born. The end scene has happened. All of this has already gone down. And these angels, they appear to the shepherds in the field some miles away. And, you know, I've been asked so many times, usually around Christmas, which makes sense. But I've been asked so many times, well, Pastor Matt, why do you think that the angels appear to the shepherds first? Like, what is that about? Who are these dudes? I have a nativity scene at my home and they're just kind of off to the side. Like, they're not even rolling up with like frankincense and myrrh. Like, what's up with the shepherds? Why did God appear to them first? And what's amazing to me about shepherds is at the time, the shepherds were, were more than farmers, but I think, if, I think if we can look at it in today's agricultural terms, how many of you know if you come across a farmer, they're generally pretty awesome. They're generally pretty awesome. They're generally hardworking. They're generally straight shooters. They're generally very disciplined. Like their whole way of life requires that of them, right? Well, it's the same thing with the shepherds back in Jesus' day. You see, the shepherds, the shepherds were the single most, even more than rabbis, history records, shepherds are the single most trustworthy people on the planet. Wait, I thought they were, I thought a doctor would be, nope, shepherd. Oh, I thought a tax collector would be, <laughs> no. <laughs> what? No, it's the shepherds. The shepherds were literally known amongst the people in their towns, in their villages, in their places that they reside as the single most honest, trustworthy, straight shooters. Their yes was their yes, their no was their no. They were disciplined. If they gave you their word, they kept it. If they said they were going to do something, they did it. If you came to them in need, they would do their best to fulfill it. Like the shepherds were these amazing men in this time. And one of the things that stands out to me is, of course God would trust a shepherd with his word first. In fact, God didn't just trust them with his word first. He trusted them with the word about his word yeah. first yeah. because Jesus is the word that became flesh right. and I wonder today I wonder today see we can't have worship without a message and we can't have Christmas without an equipping so my apologies if you didn't think I was going to come today with some things to tighten up the nuts and bolts on the Christian life because I most certainly am you see, I wonder when I'm looking at these shepherds, it makes me examine myself, not just as a pastor, not just as a Christian, not just, not just as a person who holds a title in a church or any of those things, but as someone who follows God, who has given up everything in my life for this one cause and this one cause alone, God with us, Christ for the masses, as a person who's done that. Not only am I a person, not only am I a person that God can trust with his word, but am I known, am I known amongst the people in my circle, am I known amongst the people in my town, in my city, in my region, am I known amongst the place that the Lord has placed me, am I known as honest, hardworking, disciplined, yes be yes, no be no. Because what's clear to me about this moment is that God didn't only entrust them because he knew that he could trust them. He entrusted the shepherds because he knew everyone else would trust the shepherds. 
hear me today. What God is able to give you, what God is able to send through you, what God is able to do through you, man, if you gain the trust of those around you, you gain the trust of heaven. We're called to be growing in what? Stature with God and with man. Amen? And if we're doing that, if we are growing in the eyes of those around us, not saying that we placate, not saying that we don't call sin, sin, not saying that we go along to get along, I'm saying growing in this honest, hardworking, yes be yes, no be no, disciplined, trustworthy people in the eyes of man, how much more can God entrust you with his word and his word being Jesus? I preach to anybody this evening. It took me four years to quit saying this evening, and now I'm about to say this morning one time. But are you? Are you the type of person that when God begins to start a new movement, when God begins to start a new idea, when he begins to birth something in the earth again that is going to point back to his glory, establish his church, build up his bride, when that time comes, are you going to be a person that not only he can trust, but he can trust you because those around you can trust you? This is another level, friends. This is another level, friends, because it's not enough to simply guard your relationship with God, but now you need to guard your relationship with man. The Apostle Paul would go as far to say to the church in Thessalonica, abstain from the very appearance of evil as to not ruin your witness among the Gentiles. Church, we need this. Church, we need this. Because we want to be found trustworthy. So what happens next in this moment is the shepherds, the angels come. And it's amazing. And all of a sudden it says, the angels show and the glory of the Lord falls. And when the glory of the Lord falls, the shepherds know it's God. But they don't know what God's up to, what God wants, what he's doing. And next thing they know, they are stricken with fear. It says a great fear fell upon them. And then all of a sudden, the angels go, fear not, fear not, fear not, and behold, a great joy has come to the world. That there is a peace that is coming that is available to all men. And that a sign of confirmation, shepherds, hear me today. You trustworthy few, you trustworthy shepherds, those that are hardworking, those that are disciplined, those that are in the field at night, keeping watch over their sheep so that wolves don't come and take them. You shepherds, you Christians, a word of confirmation is that you're going to go and you're going to find a baby. And this baby, he's going to be in a manger. And he is going to be wrapped in swaddling cloth. And he is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the one that you've been raised on, fed on, believing for. He's come. He's come. And you're going to find him swaddled in a manger. And it's amazing. It is amazing. And what happens next is it says, glory to God in the highest. The angels cry out and heaven begins to sing glory to God in the highest. And then he says, and peace comes to those in whom he is pleased. Now, I love this. I love this. I love this because uh, for some odd reason, the church for a lot of years, and I think in our, in our attempt to be seeker friendly, the church in so many years, we have thought that we should say, um, you know, uh, Peace to all men, all women, all people everywhere all the time. And we've, and, we've, and we've heard this jargon in the church. And yet that's not what the angels said. And that's not what heaven cries out. And that's not what the shepherds were told. There wasn't peace for all of all, no matter what your faith is, no matter where you come from, no matter where you've been the need of Jesus and made him Lord and Savior or not. Peace is available to just, just, just pour it out on all of you. No, no, no. It's, it's available to those who in whom he's pleased. And you know if God's pleased in you because not your performance, but what's preeminated you. What has to preeminate you, what has to permeate everything that you are is Lord Jesus. 
because he wants to be God with us, but we need him to be Christ within us. We need him to be Christ within us. We need to be the bride found with Christ. We need to be the bride saying, we will be the bride with you, the bride in you. And so I love this phrase because what we see here is that there's a peace that's available to us, but it's only available to those that are, well, that are found in Christ. And when you're found in Christ, you're what? You're justified with Christ. And when you're justified with Christ, your Father is well pleased with you. And so I don't know where every person's at. I don't know where you're at in your, in your home and in your living room. And I don't know what's going on. I don't know what literal storm you're in. And I don't know what figurative storm you're in. I don't know if, if the Christmas season is, is lonely and heartbreaking for you. I don't know if you've got financial troubles or family troubles. I don't know if your faith has been on the rocks, hopefully on the solid rock, Christ alone, the cornerstone. But I don't know where everyone's at. But what I do know, what I do know is that peace that supersedes your flesh, your bone, and your heart is available to you. And this peace has a name, and his name is Jesus. This peace has a name, and his name with Jesus. You see, with Jesus, you can go without the peaceful feeling in your heart, and you can run into the secret place with your Jesus, whom is your peace. He is a peace that what? Goes beyond our understanding. Why is that important? Because his peace that goes beyond our understanding. He goes beyond our understanding because he actually goes with us. He's not conceptual. He's not based on a feeling. He's not based on whether we feel secure or reassured in a moment. He's not this happy-go-lucky <laughs> that falls on us. Is he able to override our emotions? Absolutely. Is he able to lift the head of the weary and bring a, bring your, uh, flip your frown upside down? Is he able to do that? Absolutely. But more than your understanding, he supersedes your understanding. He goes beyond your understanding because he doesn't just rest in a place of concept. He actually goes with you. He goes with you in the chaos. He goes with you in the confusion, which he is not the author of, so he's able to bring peace to it in the midst of it. He goes beyond your understanding because he goes with you. Yeah. I'm not preaching to anybody this evening. See this peace. He goes beyond your intuition and your instincts and your desires. This peace is a person, and his name is Jesus. And why this is good news is because this, this peace, he's, a, he's available to every single person that would bow a knee. You don't have to have it all figured out. He's the peace in the midst of figuring out. He's the person in the midst of the beginning of the relationship. He leads you in this dance, amen? amen. It's who he is. And in just a moment, I'm going to invite the worship team back up. But just a moment, give me a second. I know it's Christmas, so I'm supposed to be keeping this a wee bit shorter. A wee bit shorter. But if I can be honest, I've had a really crazy 36 hours. I've had a really crazy 36 hours. In fact, I would dare say my life has changed entirely in the last 36 hours. It was that much of a change. It was that much of a not revelation as in revelation of Jesus, but revelation as in things were unearthed in my family that changes everything. I'm turning 32 very soon, and well, now I get to look back at the last 32 years of life very differently. And not for the good. But what it did do was it continued to give me that great sense of awe and wonder that God is my Father before my father. And so God with us means something so incredibly different to me today on Friday than it did on Thursday, than it did on Wednesday. And I've got this thing in my bones. 
and I've got this peace that goes beyond me. I got this peace that shows me that God has been with me, pursuing me, and that when he finally got me, he never let me out of his sight. And it's the same peace, the same Prince of Peace that's available to every single one of us. Amen. And so what I love next in this portion of scripture is these wise men, they, or these, these shepherds, they go. They go and they use this phrase. They turn to each other and they say, let us go then and see the things that God has revealed to us. I'll keep this part brief, but if you're a Christian and you're in this room or you're watching online right now, you are responsible for what God has revealed to you. You see, if God reveals something to you, it means he's entrusted it to you. He has entrusted you with it, whether it's a secret about him or a secret about you or a secret about somebody else or a secret about the future. If God has revealed something to you, you are now responsible for what God has revealed to you. And what do I mean by that? I mean you are responsible to go where he says to go, to heed what his word says to heed, to stay if he says stay, to wait if he says wait to go if he says go you are now responsible for what he has revealed to you because he says I have entrusted you with this but how many of us how many of us as Christians in 2022 how many of us have actually been found responsible with what God has revealed us I mean it might just be a little bit of recency bias on my end, but I feel like some great revelations have been shared in this house over the last 365 days. And I'm wondering, and I'm turning the gun on myself, and I'm going, have I? Have I been responsible for what God's revealed in this house? Have I lived with a spirit that says, now let us go and see what God has revealed? Have I put my money where my mouth, says, my mouth is? Have I left my sheep? Have I gone and did? Have I taken things and prepared and gone on the journey to go and see and do and prepare myself to be the man and the pastor and the husband and all the things for you? You know what God may have revealed to you? It might have been your calling. It might have been a vocation. It might have been a location. It might have been a hurt inside you that he wants to heal. He might have given you a revelation for a great move of God in your workplace. He might have revealed an avenue for you. But since then, have you said, let me go and see what the Lord has revealed to me? And the reason I bring this to the forefront is because I think there's a lot of Christians who talk about it and not a lot of Christians that walk it. I think there's a lot of us that talk to talk, but we are not found walking the walk. God gave me a revelation. Really? You seem like the same person. God gave me a revelation. Really? You're still treating your spouse the same way. God gave me a revelation. Really? You're not saving any money. God gave me a revelation. That was like two weeks ago, and you're right back to not being found in the prayer room. It'd be irresponsible for me as a shepherd, as a pastor, to, to just come with a message without any equipping. But where I want to go next is this amazing part with Mary. See, there's this amazing thing that happens. The shepherds roll up and they see exactly what the angels told them they'd see. They found Mary and they found Joseph and they found what will be named Jesus swaddled in this manger. And you see what they end up doing. I guess there was more people around. So I'm assuming in Luke's, uh, court, uh, Luke's recording of this, he must be talking about the, wi uh, the wise men and all these things. He must be talking about this because the, the Bible clearly in Luke's uh, recount of the situation tells that there was others around. And when the shepherds came and they were responsible with the word that was entrusted to them, they went and not only did they see, but they went and they delivered the word entrusted to them, to Mary, to these people about who Jesus would be. And it says the people around wondered. They didn't marvel. They weren't fascinated. They weren't blown, blown away. They wondered. 
Angels in the field. What these shepherds been smoking? <laughs> Is that wheat that they... Anyways. What you chewing on out there, fam? What you been doing? But they wondered. But Mary's response... Mary's response is what blows me away because the, the shepherds, they come and they say what the angels said about this baby. And, and obviously Mary has already had a moment with the angels where they said you were going to have a son by God, by the Holy Spirit. He's gonna come upon you. You are gonna have a child. Here's how it's gonna go. And you will name him Jesus and he will be the Messiah. And so Mary's hearing all this. And so while the rest of them are wondering around her, it says that Mary, what, treasured it in her heart treasured it in her heart but what does that mean it means she placed value on it and then she guarded it what else do you do with treasury it's valuable you recognize its value and then you put it in a place and you hide it in a way and you do something with it that guards what you believe is that valuable and I wonder today Church, Christian, do we have the same revelation of who Jesus is that Mary did, that we treasure it in our heart, that we decide it is the single most valuable thing to us and we will guard it at all costs? What revelation do we have of Jesus? Of the onlookers in the manger or Mary of the mother? Whose revelation do we hold? The onlookers in the manger or Mary the mother? Whose revelation? Do we wonder or do we treasure? How is this played out in our lives? How do you see Jesus? Do you treasure him? Because the whole Christmas story, the whole purpose of this is that he treasures you. That he determined your value. So much so that he determined that he would then guard that value and he would make a way, not to do away with the law, but to fulfill the law, to be the completion of the law, to come and he would find a way to defeat sin, hell, death in the grave and make a way to have you again, to treasure you again and then live your mortal life as you and then guard you for all of eternity with him. Two things need to happen in 2023. The bride needs to get a revelation of Jesus that Mary had of him. It went beyond being a mother. It was someone who had favor with God. We need to get a revelation of Jesus like Mary had. And we need to get a revelation of ourselves that Jesus has. Not think more of yourself than you ought to, but look at yourself and go, man, Jesus, Jesus, he loved the hell out of me. Jesus, he loved the sin out of me. Jesus, he was patient with me. Jesus, he treasured me, he guarded me. He's never left me. He's never forsaken me. He has pursued me. And yet I feel like so many Christians were at church wondering like the onlookers in the manger instead of treasuring like Mary who just had the revelation confirmed of who Jesus is. And the last thing I want to talk about on this portion of Scripture is how it ends. How this manger scene ends. See, on the eighth day, which, by the way, in Jewish tradition, eight means the number of new beginning. So this new beginning, this, 
being set apart, the firstborn son, the circumcision, all of it, being on the eighth day, all of it was about God saying, new is happening. Right now, it's no longer about rituals and veil. In fact, Jesus' death will be their ritual and the veil will be torn. And now we can live as people who pierce the veil daily to be with him. But see, in this moment, what I love about it is that it says, Mary did as she was instructed to by the angels, and she named him Jesus. She named him Jesus. Now, this might seem like the most random thing for me to dial in on, but this is where we're going to land Christmas 2022 because this is of the most importance to the Christian. This is the hope of glory in the world. This is what Christmas is all about, that Mary was faithful to the angels, to the prophets in Isaiah, to all of the prophecies leading up to this moment. She was faithful with all of it. And it was all punctuated by this moment where she named him Jesus. Well, Pastor Matt, why is that? Because Jesus is a name above every other name? Absolutely. Well, Pastor Matt, why is that? Because Jesus is the one name that fell fell, (laughs) hell fears more than anything? Absolutely. But the reason she named him Jesus and the reason God chose the name Jesus isn't because it was spectacular. Isn't because you heard the name Jesus, he must be different. No, in fact, census documents that you can look at today, they would, you can go back to Nazareth, where Jesus was raised, where Jesus is good, where Jesus comes from. You know that, you know that verse that says, uh, what good can come out of Nazareth? And he's talking about Jesus. When Jesus was born and when Jesus was alive, there was 71 other Jesuses in Nazareth. 71. Nazareth is mega small. Nazareth was tiny. And in that village, in that town, in that city, however you want to put it, in that place called Nazareth, there was literally 72 people named Jesus. And so now we're sitting here looking at this going, wait, wait, wait a minute. Why would God want to name him Jesus? Why would God not want to name him something like cool and spectacular and really stands out super strong like Matt with one T? Why would God not call him Ulysses or Dietrich, you know, or Jack? I don't know, something tough, something strong, something mighty. Why not name him Judah after all, you know? You start going down that trail. Why would you name the most uncommon one something the most common? Because God with us. Because Christ with me. Because this entire thing, the Christmas story, Genesis to Revelation, has all been about God being God desiring and God making every way possible for him to be back with his images, back with his imago Dei, back with his sons and daughters created in his image and likeness, God dwelling among his people. And so suddenly, Jesus, the most spectacular one, has the most common name. Worship team, you can make your way back up here. He has the most common name. All of these special prophecies, all of these things that were said that he would accomplish, all the things that Mary and Joseph had to endure as a couple that was not yet married, but Mary is having a baby, all of the shame attached to it, all of the things that she would have to hold tightly to, the promises, all of the things that Jesus was prophesied to come and do was all wrapped up in the swaddling cloth in a manger, not in a palace. He rode in on a coal, AKA a donkey, not a horse, not a chariot on fire. 
It says in the Bible that he was nothing special to look at, that he was a carpenter, that you wouldn't pick him out of anybody. In fact, that when he died, he was so beaten and bruised and torn apart, he was likened unto a monster not even recognizable as a man. What does all of this tell us about the most uncommon one? That he came, he lived, he died, and he rose again to take that which is common and make it uncommon. Make those that are far from him like him. This is the Christmas story. He didn't come for the other spectacular ones. He became common so the common could become the uncommon. He came so the ashes could become beauty. He came so the broken become the redeemed. That the rancid would become the righteous. That those far off would be restored to their father. This is the point of Christmas. This is the point of all of this. It goes beyond the lights and the festivities. It goes to the one who literally split heaven and earth, time and space, BC and AD. He changed everything. All so that he could dwell with his people. Now, if my brother Kenny in the booth wouldn't mind killing these lights and those in attendance wouldn't mind standing. If you at home wouldn't mind getting in just a posture of intimacy with the Lord physically, if you want to get on your knees, if you want to bow your head, if you want to lift your hands, but get some sort of movement going on where you just readjust yourself. You readjust yourself to a posture of intimacy and just begin to lean into what I'm saying in this moment because I have one verse I want to finish this night off with because here is how the Hebrews, this is how they described the uncommon one who put on flesh to become common, to make the uncommon make the common one the uncommon one. Hebrews 1, 1 through 4 says this, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his, his son whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He, hear me today, church. Hear me today, Christian. Hear me today. This is the uncommon one who became common. This is who he is. He is the radiance of the glory of God, and he is the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. The uncommon one, but the common name of Jesus. Women in this day, they would name their sons Jesus because in Hebrew it was Joshua and it meant Savior. And if you were Greek, it was Yeshua. And it meant the Lord our salvation. Everyone dreamed, everyone hoped, everyone had all of these desperate desires to see the Savior come. That his name became commonplace that our Savior must be named a common name to make that which is common, uncommon. This is Christmas. This is what this is about. This is what the last 5,000 years of human history has meant. This is what the last 2,000 years of church has been. This is the reason Christ came and he went to the cross. This is the reason, this is the reason, this is the reason for the uncommon one to take the common and make it uncommon.
That's the God we serve. That's the God we worship. That's what Christmas is all about. He's still the reason for the season. And I pray the whole world hears this message about this uncommon one who takes the common and makes him uncommon like him. Father God, I just ask right now, God, in this posture of intimacy that we have with you, God, right now, Lord, whether we're in our knees, hands up, head down, wherever, God, right now, Lord, I pray that we would get this revelation, God. We would get this revelation that the uncommon one came to take our common selves and make him uncommon like himself, God. And right now, we would get a revelation of Jesus that Mary held, God, that would be treasured in her heart, valued to the Most High, guarded with all our life and all our breath, God, that we would be like the shepherds and we would heed your word and we would go on your word and we would be found trustworthy with your word, not just your word for our lives, but the word of our lives, the word that became flesh, the one that is, the one that was, the one that will forever be, Lord Jesus. Lord, give us a revelation of Christmas. Christ for the masses. And by way of Christ for the masses, let us start with Christ with me. In Jesus' mighty name, the church sang, the church prayed, the church got even more intimate. Lord, we're chasing you, we're chasing you, we're chasing you. And a faith-filled people said, amen. Your